Good evening, and welcome to the beautiful historical marionette theater. It's Friday evening, and we're going to be revisiting a classic of the 70s. The comedy, a mystery, thriller, and a little bit of a spoof. So take your seats. The show's about to begin. Hey, Toppy. It is November. We've had our All Hallows Eve. How did you survive the night? Well, I, I did fine. Nothing happened. Uh, there's never any children on my street. So there's never any knocks at the door. I don't even have to worry about turning off my light and hiding in the back room to, uh, you know, to avoid trick-or-treaters because there just aren't any. Anyways, uh, you know, for me, it was just uh, an opportunity to uh, watch a couple spooky movies and, and celebrate Halloween that way. Now, what about where you are? You're, you're, you live in a place where the houses are much closer together. Surely you had <laughs> trick-or-treaters. Well, we don't pay village taxes. That's the important thing. So we don't have sidewalks and we don't have street lights. Um, <laughs> when we first moved to this house, we did have kiddos stopping by. But I guess as folks retire and move away, there's less of that. But no, we, we're actually... Well, I don't want to say bad people, but ah! <laughs> our, our approach to the whole matter is we close all the curtains, turn off the lights, and then we go out to dinner. <laughs> I get you. I get you. I will have you know, though, that we went to a place that, um, well, the folks at Jose's Hideaway would not appreciate because there was not a, a Hispanic person in the house. Oh. <laughs> and. But you were eating Mexican? Yeah, at a town not far from our house. But, um, you know, they kind of looked at me funny because I've lived in Colorado for almost a decade. And I know how things should be pronounced. Well, the, the, the these pale-faced folks didn't understand <laughs> quite that much. And when I told them I didn't want something on my order, they served it anyways. But anyway... Oh. <laughs> yeah i mean we'll we'll see if we go back there but um you know the night passed without incident um we didn't quite have the candy buffet that we've had in years past uh-huh. now i i think i remember this toppy and this is just a sidebar on on the whole candy thing do you remember the other year we got you a bag of that candy corn yeah Remember what was special about it? Well, it was like um, Thanksgiving-y. No, it was like stuffing and (laughs) turkey. I don't know that they kept making it. It was a limited, uh, you know, time sort of thing. But I would have to say the worst one in there was the green beans. Oh, green bean casserole. Oh, if you guys, uh, you could probably find expired ones of it, bags of it on eBay. Are are you saying there's probably warehouses full of it? (laughs) Because the green beans, they tasted like rancid Flintstones chewables. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now now Tommy says I sound like I'm coming in from a tunnel, and I've we've had this before, and I've 
fixed it before. Mm-hmm. So let me monkey around here and see what the devil. Uh, audio and video settings. So there's my video. Now where's my audio coming from? My audio is coming from my Yeti microphone, which is normal. Uh, it could also be the metal plate in Tommy's head. There you go. Okay. I don't know. I, I Things seem to be checking out here, so... We'll just go with it. So, you know, um, we've passed one uh, event of the year, you know, <laughs> sort of celebrated the onset of fall and... We're coming up to that time where everyone's forced to spend time together. And um, I hear, have it on good authority that our senior showgirl, she she might have had a turn at working the Butterball Hotline, folks. Oh, let me see. Uh, Gertie, Gertie, you here? Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you guys want? Uh, is it true? DJ said you did the Butterball Hotline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> what do you want to know? I don't know. Do anything got anything to say about it? Oh. Yeah, um uh well, you know, uh I recommended you soak the turkey in vinegar and set it on fire. I don't know. I didn't last long. <laughs> okay. I well, I, I there was something about the wild turkey that didn't go along with the wild the turkey. <laughs> DJ, how did you know? Oh, well, it's not the Listerine that I'm smelling. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, <laughs> it was your... an it was an evening. Yeah. So we're well. I'm sorry to be picking on you, Madame. It is nice to have you here in this house. And thank you. I mean. You could shake a tail feather like no one I know. Um, right. And speaking of shaking tail feathers, uh, we we have a story to introduce. Can you step down onto the stage and uh, wiggle those pretty tootsies? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> mm. All right, there she goes. Dr. Richard Thorndike has recently accepted a position as the new director of the Psychoneurotic Institute for the Very, Very Nervous. He's thrilled about the promotion, but some unanswered questions remain about his predecessor's demise. No sooner than Richard has met his staff, he's off on a business trip, and while the cat's away... Will Richard make friends at the conference? Will he help his patient's daughter? Will he overcome his fear of heights? Grab an overnight bag and a camera. It's time for High Anxiety with Mel Brooks and Madeline Kahn. Take it away, fellas. What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen? A pinch of golden oldies, and a smidgen of screaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your hosts, DJ and Toppy. Oh, 
We seem to be around that 70s era there, Toppy. Um, so, uh, you know, I hope you've got your bell bottoms and uh, a few things polyester laid out for the dry cleaner. Well, uh, they all perished in a fire. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we can pretend. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, one of the strangest things about uh, researching tonight's show was just that I simply didn't uh, have the right spelling of anxiety. I always thought it was anxiety, A-N-G, and then I thought, well, is it an X? Is it is a Z? Anyway, and then I come to find out anxiety, no G, and it's with, a, with an X or a Z. Anyway, how the hell do you spell anxiety? Anxiety. It's not ang, ang, ang. Anyways. I could tell you didn't go to Catholic school. No, top. I don't know. You would have had welts on your knuckles. <laughs> yeah. 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 So speaking of those bell bottoms, Toppy, what's that thing we do before we talk about the cast? Well, we want to find out what was going on. This movie came out in 1977, folks. Good God, that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, DJ, let's know in U.S. history what was going on in 1977. All U.S. history in 1977. Oh, it was an eventful year. We'll get through it quick, Ken. World's first personal computer, the Commodore PET, was demonstrated at the Winter Consumer Electronics Show in Chicago. And the uh, uh, the uh, panhandle there in Florida, the city of Miami experienced a snowfall. What? Yeah, and despite, it, even though it's in a tropical climate, they got snowfall for the first time in their history in 77. Oh. And then uh, snowfall has also occurred farther south in the United States, only on the high mountains of Hawaii. Hmm. Also in 77, the Great Lakes blizzard. It hit Buffalo. There's a lot of snow going on. Oh, hubby has some memories of that being stuck in places where highways weren't so good at that point. Uh, In 77, Fleetwood Mac, that's President Clinton's favorite band, their Grammy Award-winning album, Rumors, was released in 77. Also, Disney produced their 22nd feature film, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. And the studio's most critically well-received film in years, it was also the last in the Disney canon in which the late Walt Disney was involved. So well, he was long dead before 1977. So. Well, the story was being written up, and they were doing all the work of making the film before its release. So, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So, anyway, it takes a whole lot, of course, as we talk about later. So, because we talk about movies, the 49th Academy Awards, the Oscars, were hosted by Richard Pryor that year, along with one of our favorites to talk about, Alan Burstyn. Jane Fonda and Warren Beatty, and it was held at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in Los Angeles. Now, uh, John G. Avildsen's Rocky, so, you know, Sylvester Stallone's big film, uh, received 10 nominations, winning Best Picture and Best Director. Rocky was also tied with Sidney Lumet's network for the most nominations. 
which the latter film in Alan J. Pakula's All the President's Men won four awards each. The late uh, Peter Finch became the first posthumous Oscar winner, winning for Best Actor that year. Okay, mm-hmm. just a couple of more things here. Was that, was that for Network? Uh, I think so. The uh, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. So, you know, the guys that wore those funny outfits, the dresses. Uh, well, they've ruled that divorced Catholics, including those who remarried outside of the church, well, they're no longer allowed to, to uh, drink the funny grape juice because no. uh, they, they can still come to Mass. But if they remarry, uh, they can't receive the communion. So oh. uh, no soup for you. Uh, and yeah, then uh, <laughs> and, no soup for you. Uh, because we were sci-fi nuts here, the Voyager program. In 77, NASA's Voyager 1 was launched after a short delay. And uh, treaties between Panama and the United States on the status of the Panama Canal are signed. U.S. agrees to transfer the control of the Panama Canal to Panama at the end of the 20th century. Wasn't that nice of us? I know. Uh, It's in their country, and we (laughs) agreed to sign control over to them. I mean, I'm sure there were some McDonald's built, too. Ah, So, uh, and uh, something we've talked about before, soap. That uh, that late 70s comedy show that um, featured the d- debut of Billy Crystal on network TV. It debuted on ABC and launched his career. All right. uh, and then uh, last two things. British Airways inaugurated regular London and New York travel through the supersonic Concorde. Woo. Woo. And on the Concorde, they played Atari. Mm, which also came out. In 77, the Atari 2600. You know, those were the um, the the uh, the uh, home video games that people could buy at Sears because they were extra fancy and they had wood on them. Ooh, wood. Ooh, that's hot. That's hot. Uh, so there were some celebrity births in 1977. So we're gonna say uh, happy birthday, 1977, to James Vanderbeek. Yes, he was. What's that? You skipped one. I did? Yeah, before him. Well, wait just a second here. <laughs> Backing up. Uh, our big time super celebrity that enjoyed a birthday was born in 77 is our own T.J. Starsage. <laughs> I don't know how I missed that. Yeah. Uh, D.J. Starsage. 77, folks. He's just a little kid. Oh, my God. 77. And, and you know, that and um, a smile will get you a cup of coffee at Denny's, right? Right. Um, So, uh, (laughs) uh, to continue, James Vanderbeek from Dawson Creeks. Uh, Robin Thicke, the musician, son of late actor Alan Thicke. Known for blurred uh, the blurred line song, then we got Jessica Chastain, actor producer, uh, Interstellar, nineteen uh, twenty 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 fourteen, with Matthew McConaughey and The Martian in twenty fifteen with Matt Damon, and most recently The Eyes of Tammy Faye in twenty twenty one. Born in seventy seven was Annie Wershing. Uh, she, she passed away in 23 
she's an actress from Bruce, Bruce Almighty. She was in Star Trek Picard season three. Uh, we've got uh, the birth of Sarah Michelle Geller uh, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Tom Welling, uh, an actor from mm-hmm. Smallville. And we got Zachary Quinto. Are you are you telling me he was born in seventy seven, Zachary Quinto? Well, hang on, back up, Tom Welling. This is where I do my Wanda Wisdom tribute because oh, okay. she would have said he's the hottie with the body. Anyway, oh, all right, so he was Superman. But yes, Zachary Quinto, born in seventy seven. How about that? Well, mm-hmm. Chris, we know uh, Zachary from Heroes and Star Trek: Strange and Worlds. Uh, Liv Tyler, uh, actress from Armageddon, and uh, she's the daughter of Steven Tyler. Who's Steven Tyler? Anyways, uh, that Matt Bomber, is that the way you pronounce it? Bomer. Bomer. Matt Bomer. Uh, he's an actor, and he's the cousin of Henry Cavill. Uh, he did White Collar, uh, a TV series from 2009 to 2013. That's uh, five whole seasons on Fox. Uh, Magic Mike and Magic Mike XXL. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, also, uh, DC's Doom Patrol from 2019 to 2023. Uh, how about Randy Harrison? Yeah, he was born in 77. Uh, an actor, uh, he was Justin on Showtime's Queerest Folk, and then there's Brittany Murphy, born in 77. Uh, she was in Clueless, she was in Girl Interrupted, and she was in Uptown Girls, and very sadly, she passed away in 2009 at the age of 32. So there's our voice in 77. Okay, well, a uh, minor correction on my part there. Zachary Kinta was not in Star Trek Strange New Worlds, but he was in the Star Trek movies from 09 forward. So, all right. All right. Hey, so high anxiety, folks. If you're not paying attention, this is a movie that we're talking about. It was released to the silver screen. And this came out at the end of 77. It was actually a Christmas release, believe it or not. And, um, well, because of that, I tend to think of it in more of the the coming year's money. Because it's not fair to measure something by the last week of the year. So, in uh, the top of the box office in 1978... What else was competing for attention besides high anxiety? Well, the number one spot introduced us to uh, the the guy in the tight pants and uh, the the pretty gal that we lost the last year here, Olivia Newton-John. That's Greece. That brought in 159 million in '77's money. The number two film that year had John Belushi and Karen Allen, and it was National Lampoon's Animal House, and number three, a personal favorite, with Richard Dreyfus and Terry Garr. Good Lord, there was a, that was stiff competition that year. It was. Terry Garr, I mean, I can't think of anything she's been in that I didn't like. Um, uh, same here, same here. Close Encounters of the Third Kind... And that brought in $91.7 million. So we like to kind of put things into perspective to figure <laughs> out 
you know, where something lines up. Well, high anxiety, it, it didn't rank real high up there, mostly because it was measured by the, the last year of the box or the last week of the box office. But if we figure it did somewhere around the middle, one better than the middle was a film with, okay, this wasn't hard to come compete with, but Tommy Chong and Cheech Marin in Up in Smoke. Yeah, man. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Brought in $104 million, and I'm sure that there was some uh, foggy balconies and theaters everywhere. And uh, one below the, t- the middle rung there was a film with Bruno Kirby and Lee Purcell called Almost Summer. Don't remember that, and I've never heard of those actors. <laughs> I don't know. I just, if, I, if I have, I don't remember. Mm. Well, let me tell you about the director of tonight's movie. <clears throat> well, it's Mel Brooks, who also takes the starring role. And you know what? Uh, Mel Brooks was just busting to put himself in a movie. Of course, he put himself in uh, a few scenes in in uh, the western there. What was his western comedy movie? Oh, um, Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles, thank you. He put himself in a couple scenes, uh, but this was... Uh, he, he didn't put himself in Young Frankenstein, but he could not help but make himself the star of this movie. And uh, so he did. And by the way, his full name is Melvin James Brooks. And he was born in 1926. And God bless him. He's still with us. No, Tommy Hashbrown's Bruno Kirby. I don't know. Who did he do? What was he in? I don't know him. I don't well, know him. I mean, who did he do? I, I guess Lee Purcell in Almost Summer. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Anyways, maybe Tommy will uh, fill us in, and then I'll fill you guys in. All right, so uh, Mel Brooks, he's a, an actor. He's a comedian. He's a filmmaker. He's a songwriter. He's a playwright. Good God. He's got a career spanning over seven decades. Uh, he was known as a writer and director of a variety of successful broad farces and parodies, which I'm sure you know, a recipient of numerous accolades. He is one of 18 entertainers to win the EGOT. That's uh, that's anybody who's won an Emmy Award, a Grammy Award, an Academy Award, and a Tony Award. Yeah, he's done it all. He received the uh, a Kennedy Center honor in 2009. He got his Hollywood Walk of Fame star in 2010. Uh, he got the AFI Life Achievement Award in 2013 and the British Film Institute Fellowship in 2015 and the National Medal of Arts in 2016. And BAFTA gave him an award. Uh, in 2017, and then he got an honorary Academy Award in 2023. So uh, we're talking about a career here that, that uh, uh, has meant a lot to a lot of people. He began his career as a comic and a writer for Sid Caesar's variety show that was called Your Show of Shows from 1950 to 1954. That was ages ago, folks. Uh, And 
uh, he would end up collaborating with Carl Reiner, who developed the Dick Van Dyke show. And with Carl Reiner, Mel Brooks created a comedy sketch that became kind of famous over the years. And it was the 2,000-year-old man. And uh, they used to perform it at, at parties and gatherings um, in kind of informally. And then they developed into an actual comedy album. Uh, and it was called The 2,000-Year-Old uh, Man in 1960. Uh, with Buck Henry, Mel Brooks created the hit television comedy series Get Smart. You know, starring Don Adams that ran from 65 to 70. Uh, Brooks rose to prominence, becoming one of the most successful film directors of the 70s because he did films like The Producers in 67, The Twelve Chairs in 1970, Blazing, Saddles, Hello in 74, Young Frankenstein. Good God, that came out in 74 as well. Is that true? Someone, someone fact checked that Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein came out the same year. Anyways, he also did Silent Movie in '76, which I think he also stuck himself into. That may have been the first movie he stuck himself into as uh, one of the main actors. Definitely High Anxiety. He was the, uh, you know, main star. Uh, he also did History of the World Part One. More on that later. That was in 81. And Spaceballs in 87. And then he did Robin Hood Men in Tights in 93. Uh, meanwhile, okay, this is hard. This is confusing. Uh, he uh, A musical adaptation of his first film, uh, The Producers, were, ran on Broadway from 2001 to 2007. And then that was itself remade into a musical film in 2005. So he made the film producers, it became a Broadway musical, and then they made a movie of the musical. Anyways, uh, then uh, finally in, in 2023, uh, Mel Brooks wrote and produced The Long-Awaited History of the World Part Two, which I have heard nothing about. Was it any good? I don't know. In 2021, Mel Brooks published a memoir titled All About Me. Three of his films are included on the American Film Institute's list of the top 100 comedy films of the past 100 years, all of which were ranked in the top 15. Blazing Saddles, number six. The Producers, number 11. Young Frankenstein at number 13. Uh, and finally, High Anxiety, uh, this was Brooks' parody of, and that's kind of what he leaned into. He, he liked to do parodies. Uh, Spaceballs was a parody of Star Wars. Blazing Saddles was a parody of Westerns. Young Frankenstein was a parody of the Universal Monster movies. And High Anxiety was a parody of Alfred Hitchcock movies. And he had help with the writing, uh, with Brooks also writing was Ron Clark, Rudy DeLuca, and Barry Levinson, believe it or not. Uh, the director, Barry Levinson, had a hand in the writing of this. And by the way, High Anxiety was the first movie Brooks produced himself. Uh, 
Hmm. And uh, there's a big cast. We're only going to get into a few of them, but uh, uh, this had Madeline Kahn, Cloris Leachman, Harvey Corman, Ron Carey, Howard Morris, and my pal, the beloved Dick Van Patten. And uh, there you go. The movies, uh, the Hitchcock movies that are kind of singled out in this are uh, is Vertical, Spellbound, Psycho, The Birds. North by Northwest, Dial in for Murder, and Suspicion, uh, among others. And also, actually, this movie parodies outside of Hitchcock in a few uh, places. Um, I'm not sure why they did that. But anyways, um, in this movie, Brooks plays the Professor Richard H. Harpo Thorndike, a Nobel Prize winning psychologist who suffers from... High anxiety. Oh, I said anxiety. <laughs> anxiety. And, and, and anyway, uh, or you could just call it vertigo. So there you go. It's Mel Brooks. Oh, when that doctor uh, retired, he did the sequel, uh, High Angina. No. <laughs> High Angina. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Woo. All righty. So we are at about that point. We're uh, we're gonna step on over here to the snack bar, and uh, Gertie is uh, making some desserts and mostly just using up the leftover candy from trick or treating. So uh, I got lots of leftover um, <laughs> sour gummy things. They're Whoa. disgusting. Have some. You know, um, and don't forget it's legal in New York, so uh, check those gummies. You might not want to share with kids. <laughs> Alrighty, folks. So we have a treat for you. This is an interview with the director, Mel. This is good, folks. This is a good one. Yes, and it's uh, it's um, done by none other than Joy I Behar. Went yeah. I went to his bungalow. He said, come over. I said, I'm, this is what I'm doing. I said... I said, Mr. Hitchcock, you know, with all due respect, you are a complete genre. I do genres. I did the West. I do space, space right. balls. And I said, you, you are a whole genre. Alfred Hitchcock movies, to me, are a complete genre. And I'm doing a movie based on, you know, doing your satire, doing yeah. your takeoff on your movies. So when I told him a little bit of what, what I had in mind, he said, come over. So I came over, uh-huh. and uh, we, we sat, and we talked. And he was very helpful. As a matter of fact, he gave me a joke I couldn't use. And he said, here's a joke for you. I said, okay. He said, a guy's running away from bad guys, and they have guns out, and they're chasing him, and he reaches a dock, and, he, and the ferry is about 12 feet away. He leaps and just makes it splat on the ferry and realizes too late the ferry is coming in. (laughs) (laughs) That's an Alfred Hitchcock joke. I said, that's a good joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, you could have been a stand-up comic. I mean, anyway, we we talked. Every Friday, I'd come over. Then I got frisky. With Alfred? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a, you know, I really lost the, the kind of, real salute and respect I should have I mean I just got too friendly yeah so we used to eat at one part of his bungalow it was a little dining room and we used to work at his 
office, and one time he's had bad knees. He got stuck in the door a little. He was stuck, oh. kind of taking his time. And I booted him in the ass. I said, "Come on, Al. <laughs> We're hungry here. You know, let's go, let's get you." And and I thought he. I said, "Oh, what have I done?" And he laughed. He really felt. He did. But he, he adored a, me. He thought I was, you know, I was uh, adored. Of know, course, funny. of course. And we went to. He bought me dinner. He took me to Chasen's, and we're finished. He takes out <laughs> in in a pocket uh, a beautiful cigar, puts the cigar in his mouth, holds it there for only a second, <laughs> and he says, "George, do it again." And he puts the cigar back in the little leather case. I said, "What does he mean?" What does he mean? Do it again. Five minutes later, shrimp cocktail. Five big ones. Starts all over with Oh, this. a big steak. I oh. swear, I swear. I mean, I, I don't know what to do. You're still I, working on the Dover. No, I, I was, the asparagus on the side. Baked potato, Phil. I was, I was going to run out. I was terrified. There's a lot of movies about him right now, Hitchcock, and his They're pension. They're all full of you think Every, so? What, the blondes and this obsession all, with Tippy Hedren? So, yeah, there was a little Tippy Hedren thing. And, you know, <laughs> he, uh, that was a grope, groping thing. A little thing, grope. You know, you know. A little bit but of a I, I think, but, but basically, he was the most lovely, charming guy that ever lived. Uh -huh. And I can tell you, in my opinion, and it's valuable, <laughs> I think it is anyway, that he was the best film director. That ever What's lived. your favorite Hitchcock movie? Uh, Strangers on a Train. <clears throat> That's yours. Mine is Notorious. Notorious. Notorious is a great, is a great film. Like the wine falling over. Love. Oh. Claude Rains, the best. Claude Rains. So brilliant. No, Hitchcock well. had two <laughs> <laughs> incredible dinners. <laughs> That's why he was fast. Back to back. <laughs>
And this was a film called Huckleberry Finn, which is, just tells you what the story's about. I, I have a feeling he didn't play Huckleberry Finn. I don't right. Know. Now, here's a movie that uh, he did after High Anxiety. And, well, okay. I love me some bad movies. And <laughs> this one, it just piques my interest because this cast in 79 has Fred Willard, who I remember as Martin Mull's lover on Roseanne. And John Ritter, of course, from Three's Company and the the simple rules about dating my daughter show. Now, this film in 79 was called Americathon. Um, yes. I'm not going to give you the whole synopsis, but basically it's uh, borderline racist and saying that this country is uh, going bankrupt and um, some of the indigenous people might have the deep pockets to uh, buy it. So, you know, we got to raise money for America. <laughs> yeah. Well, guess what? I actually, it was summer of 79. Oh, no. And I bloody went to see this movie. <laughs> DJ, not once, oh. but twice. Oh, no. And I don't know why I saw it twice. I really don't because I it was to... not that great of a movie. But I, I saw it twice. I have to ask you, because John Ritter was in it, was he shirtless and that's why you saw it twice? <laughs> no, not at all. I don't. If he was shirtless, I certainly don't remember. I have no idea why. I, I must have been bored out of my mind that summer. <laughs> it's the only explanation, but I saw it twice. Oh, I'll, I'll have a deep dive later and figure out what's special about Okay. Guys. All right, tell us. There was Tell probably nothing about, going on. Anyways, yeah. yes. So, Tell us more about Harvey Corman. Right? So Harvey Corman's first TV role was as a head writer, or sorry, a head wager in the Donna Reed show in an episode called Decisions, Decisions, Decisions. Now, he appeared as a comically exasperated public relations man in another program in a January 61 episode of the CBS drama Route 66. And he was seen on numerous TV programs afterwards, including the role of Blake in the 64 episode of Who Chopped Down the Cherry Tree and on the NBC medical drama The 11th Hour and a bartender in the 62 Perry Mason episode The Case of the Unsuitable Uncle. He frequently appeared as a supporting player on the Danny Kay show from 63 to 67. And he was cast three times, including the role of Dr. Allison in Who Needs Glasses in 62. And on ABC's The Donna Reed Show, as we've mentioned. He also guest starred on Dennis the Menace. And on the NBC contemporary Western series Empire. So... From 1964 to 66, he appeared three times in consecutive years on the CBS comedy, The Monsters. So that's a, that's a little dive there. I'm interested to see those now. And, of course, that featured Fred Gwynn and Yvonne DiCarlo. Now, during the 65 to 66 season, Corman appeared regularly on ABC's The Flintstones, you know, it was a cartoon, so this was voice acting, and he was the great kazoo in its final season. So, you know, you, you thought that you recognized the voice and you wondered who it was. Well, you were right. It was Harvey Corman. 
So in 67, the debut of the Carol Burnett show gave Corman his greatest recognition during his 10-year run on that show. Yeah, he was good friends with her. They, they've stayed in touch to his end. He received six Emmy Award nominations and won four in 69, 71, 72, and 74. Now, the exact name of the category changed a little each period, but the award was for Outstanding Achievement by a Supporting performer in music or variety because back then you know the copyright wasn't so strong that uh you know they couldn't spoof it uh he was also nominated for four golden globes for the series winning that award in 75 and in 77 he left the carol burnett show to headline his own sitcom on abc Unfortunately, the Harvey Corman show only lasted five episodes isn't that interesting he is great in these supporting roles, but that one chance he had to be the star, it didn't work. It, di- it didn't make it. Yeah. Um, and while appearing on the Carol Burnett show, Corman gained further fame by appearing as the villainous Headley Lamar in Mel Brooks' 74 film that we've talked about, Blazing Saddles. Now, he also starred in Brooks' High Anxiety that we're talking about tonight as Dr. Charles Montague. And in 78, he appeared in the CBS Star Wars Holiday Special along with B. (sighs) So, you know, the the main reason to watch that, and uh, George Lucas never wants it released officially, so you could probably always find it on YouTube. Now, listen, I swear to God, the uh, guest stars that that came on that show and were told what they were going to do and like give them their scripts they must have said i have fucking no idea what you this is <laughs> but i'll do it because it's a buck <laughs> but they must have had no idea what the hell this was all about mm-hmm. yeah b arthur was in it yeah oh my god uh, matt uh, Ma- matthew yeah spank b arthur uh-huh. yeah spanker yeah, mm-hmm. her and her bare toes. Oh, so yes, uh, Harvey Corman's character was a parody of Julia Child. Is um, that's right, Android in an instructional video. So, anyways, God, moving God. forward in 1980, Harvey Corman played Captain Bly in the Disney comedy Herbie Goes Bananas. I think that also uh, had one of my favorite Disney actresses, um, Helen Hayes. And the following year, he portrayed Count de Monet in Brooks's History of the World, Part 1. In later years, he did voice work for the live-action film The Flintstones, as well as for the animated The Secret of Nim 2, Timmy to the Rescue, because somebody had to. And uh, he also starred in the short-lived Mel Brooks TV series The Nut House with two T's, so sounds (laughs) like it's a family name. And his final Mel Brooks film as the zany Dr. Seward in Dracula Dead and Loving It, which if I remember correctly, also had Leslie Nielsen. And in 86, he starred in the failed CBS comedy series Leo and Liz in Beverly Hills with Valerie Perrine. Now, sadly, uh, Harvey Corman did pass away. Uh, He was older than um, Carol Burnett. So oh, I thought you were going to say he was older than dirt, but okay. no. oh, but he had 104 acting credits at the time of this passing in 2008. 
at the ripe age of 81. Oh, God, I love Harvey Corman. I really do. Well, let's talk about Madeline Kahn, who is no stranger to Brooks, uh, Mel Brooks movies. Uh, Madeline Kahn played Victoria Brisbane. Uh, she was born in 1942, passed away in 99. American actress, comedian, and singer. She is known for comedic roles in films directed by Peter Bagdanovich and Mel Brooks, including What's Up, Doc? Which we did here. And she was delightful in that movie. Uh, she was in Blazing Saddles in 74, Young Frankenstein in apparently 74. I don't know how that happened. Uh, High Anxiety in 77. At least, you know, at least there were three years in between those two movies. Uh, History of the World, uh, part one. And, uh, oh, and, and her Academy Award nominated role in Paper Moon in 1973. God, was she good in Paper Moon. Madeline Kahn made her Broadway debut in Leonard Silman's New Faces of 1968 and received Tony Award nominations for the play In the Boom Boom Room in 74. So she was heavily involved with stage uh, plays and musicals. Uh, she was also, uh, in 1978, uh, she was in the original production of the musical On the 20th Century. Uh, she starred as Madeline Wayne on a short-lived sitcom, Oh, Madeline, in 83 to 84. I don't know why that didn't take off, because she's so amazing. It just didn't. Uh, by the way, she won... <laughs> A Daytime Emmy Award in 87. Well, thank goodness she won some goddamn award uh, for an ABC after school special in which she, uh, I don't know, effed. Uh, uh, no, I don't want to say. Mm-hmm. No, I, I have no idea what the plot was. Uh, <laughs> she she served a third Tony Award nomination for the revival play of Born Yesterday in 89. And finally, God bless her, 93, she won the goddamn Tony Award for Best Actress in a Play for the comedy The Sisters Rosenwig. Thank God she finally won one. Her other film appearances include The Cheap Detective in 78, City Heat in 84, Clue in 85, and Nixon in 95. And, oh, my Lord, uh, I think our movie tonight gives her some good scenes. I'll say I'll say that it gives her some good scenes. Mm hmm. And uh, there actually is a, uh, a very memorable quote or clip, rather, of Madeline Kahn in one of my favorite films. It was Clue with. um Oh, I'm sorry. I'm forgetting his name now. The star of Rocky Horror. Um, oh, he's to- he's Tommy's one of Tommy's favorites. Oh, for heaven's sakes! Now I'm tongue tied. Rocky Tim Curry. Okay, yes. So um, this clip is my favorite line that Madeline Kahn has in Clue with Tim Curry. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> All righty. So uh, in the uh, the third member of our trio in the cast here, we this have. Is, mm-hmm. This is just another of, of Mel Brooks uh, cast of uh, perennials. Mm-hmm. And got. Oh, my God. Uh, Clarice Leachman. Oh, yes. So Cloris Leachman in this cast played Nurse Diesel. Now, I want to say that there have been a few films who have been clearly made by Mel Brooks fans over the years with characters that are in tribute to this portrayal. And and I'm thinking the likes of Austin Powers with Frau Blucher, the one who yells, Scott! And uh, okay. is, is all in sort of S&M regalia. So Cloris Leachman played Nurse Diesel. She was born and raised in Des Moines, Iowa. And as a teenager, Leachman appeared in plays by local youth on weekends at Drake University in Des Moines. After graduating from high school, she enrolled at Northwestern University in the School of Education. And... Uh, At Northwestern, she became a member of the Gamma Phi Beta uh, sorority and was a classmate of future comic actors Paul Lind and Charlotte Ray, who she kind of sort of worked with later. We'll get to that in a moment. She began appearing on television and in films shortly after competing in Miss America in 46 as Miss Chicago. Just prior to High Anxiety, Leachman had concluded a two-season run in a spinoff of Mary Tyler Moore called Phyllis. And it was Mary's landlady who moved back to her hometown, San Francisco. Let's see. Uh, High Anxiety was Cloris Leachman's 18th film. So she's had a little bit more work than Harvey Corman at this point in her career. And her film prior was a film in 75 with uh, our favorite actor from Gilligan's Island, Jim Bacchus. Crazy Mama. And in 79, she appeared in one of my favorite films with Edward Herman, who was the kindly grandfather on the Gilmore Girls, and often Disney star who I have confused with Madeline Kahn in the past, Barbara Harris. She was in a film called The North Avenue Regulars, and it was it was basically about a new pastor coming into town to revamp the church and he brings in a rock band to bring in the younger crowd. So that was uh, North Avenue regulars in 79 Leachman and her first husband were Bel Air, you know, like the fresh Prince neighbors of Judy Garland. And I think her second husband, Sid Luft and their children, Lorna and Joey Luft during the early sixties. Lorna Luft stated in her memoir, Me and My Shadows, a family memoir, that Leachman was the kind of mom I'd only seen on TV. Knowing of the turmoil at the Luft home, but never mentioning it, Leachman prepared meals for the children and made them feel welcome when they needed a place to stay. Ah, that is so nice. Leachman was a vegetarian and an animal rights activist. In 97... She appeared on the cover of Alternative Medicine Digest, posing in her birthday suit while body painted with images of fruit in a parody of Demi Moore's 91 Vanity Fair cover. 
<laughs> artistic license. She also posed clad in a dress made of lettuce for the 2009 People for Ethical Treatment of Animal Advertising, PETA. In 2013, she starred in a comedic People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA, ad on spaying and neutering in which she opened a condom wrapper with her teeth. Okay. I didn't know she was... Um into the animals like this this is this is new to me i did not know that mm-hmm. now by the mid 80s um cloris leachman had been cast in the facts of life speaking of her classmate charlotte ray uh, she was charlotte ray's runner up when uh, she decided to leave the show and i think that was for medical reasons at the time and uh cloris leachman was cast as beverly ann she was sort of the the uh, the landlady the den mother of the girls and uh, in the last two seasons of facts of life in 86 to 88 now although she would continue in guest roles throughout uh different tv shows and she worked in film in 91 she was cast in a short-lived series on nbc called walter and emily it was about grandparents who take in their grandson now um there are a a couple of movies I'd like to give honorable mention to with Cloris Leachman because uh, she was a character actress, just as you see in High Anxiety. There were a lot of probably pretty amazing performances in different parts, but you may not have ever heard of some of these films. But um, in more recent years, she teamed up with Betty White, and it was actually a movie with Sigourney Weaver, and I kid you not, she also had Jamie Lee Curtis, and it was a film called You Again, and this was from 2010, Um, and it was basically about uh, women who had gone to high school together who were arch enemies, and they had to get, uh, they had to mend fences because their kids were getting married to each other. So hmm. that was in 2010. Good Lord, I didn't know anything about that. Oh, it was a delightful film. One of my all-time favorites. And then, speaking of Betty White, it seemed like for part of her career, Cloris Leachman was um, the replacement for leads in the, the lower-budget sequels. Because in huh. 2007, there was a TV movie sequel to Lake Placid. You know, one of those... <laughs> Terrible movies with creatures all over. I remember that. Lake Placid 2. Cloris Leachman took over Betty White's part. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so uh, in more recent years, of course, we we lost Cloris, but she lived to the ripe age of 94. Now, in 2017, she had three guest appearances in stars, the, you know, the premium movie channels, American God series. It was about the life of an ex con after prison. And in 2019, she had a guest appearance. And I bet you didn't know about this on a short lived continuation of mad about you, which is still available to watch on prime video, I believe. Um, and before the, uh, Cloris had passed away in 2021 at the age of 94, she had 288 acting credits. And uh, I want to say she was great in everything she did. She did a lot of dramatic roles as well. And you think of her as, as this comedian. But she, uh, way back when, uh, 
she started in, uh, was one of the co-stars of the the last picture show um and she had a significant poignant role in that also i remember a made for television movie called the a girl named schooner um in which she was a social worker that helped a very poor family with this girl who was mistreated a girl named schooner i think that was the name and i think it was a tv movie and god bless her she was good in that anyways she could do everything drama comedy she could do everything Mm. So before we uh, lean into uh, the leftovers, our snack tray, things you also might like, take a moment and reflect on some of the the moments and the trivia in this film. So I watched this film, Toppy, uh, probably for the first time. Uh, I had heard about it many times. I'd seen many clips, but I never sat through it from beginning to end until recently. I watched it with Hubby. Now, of course, as you know, my husband is a uh, stickler for detail. And there were some details that he noticed in the watching this film that I don't think I could have picked up on. (laughs) Case in point, was there something odd about the guy who, well, besides his personality, (laughs) about the guy who drove the doctor to the institution? Well, I I mean, was there something? He played it odd, but uh, what did Billy notice? Oh, my goodness. Did you notice his hands when he had him on the steering wheel? Uh, I don't know. Tell me. Oh, he didn't have chauffeur gloves on top. He had rubber gloves. (laughs) I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. Uh, But he he was uh, a character all the way through the movie, and he was the one that... He would take photos, right? He mm-hmm. would take photos, and then uh, he did this whole darkroom thing where he blew up a photo bigger, blew up a photo bigger, blew up. By the way, that wasn't an Alfred Hitchcock parody. No? Uh, I, I can't remember. I think it was a foreign movie, and I cannot remember for the life of me what it was, where a mystery was solved by blowing up a negative until they could see someone. But that wasn't a Hitchcock movie. And one of my criticisms of this movie is that they went outside of Hitchcock to to parody that, which was not a Hitchcock film. And I just have to wonder why. What There was plenty of material from Hitchcock. Why did he... I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, uh, but he did. I mean... It's not a Hitchcock movie, but anyways, um, the other criticism I'll I'll say is that uh, the story suffered in this movie because they needed to come up with a reason for the different parodies to happen. And because of that, they kind of meandered and they had it a little bit segmented and and there was this scene and then there was that scene and the story behind it all really wasn't good enough to carry the whole movie through as as not in young frankenstein where there was a great story 
that carried the whole movie, which was another parody. But the story behind it was really good. But this movie didn't really have the story, and it just had some disjointed scenes that were funny, I guess. Of you know, I mean, I have to laugh at the guy that came with the with the rolled up newspaper and said, "Here's your paper. Here's your paper." <laughs> I mean, I that was funny. I mean, sure, it was funny that Mel Brooks was shit on by the doves in the <laughs> park. You know, it was funny, but it was a little disjointed, and the real story behind it all wasn't all that strong. So I, you know, it just wasn't, it it didn't rise to the level of, say, Blazing Saddles or Young Frankenstein, Mm -hmm. but it was fun. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, uh, if you if you're not necessarily looking for all the scenes to connect, it's it's very, um, you know, sort of pop culture ish, because you know each each of the character moments is just something to rewatch and rewatch. And I think that's part of the appeal of this movie in more recent years. People have taken apart the film and they just like to watch those little parts here. So, you know, um, we do this show live and of course you could see our video on YouTube and we have a chat room on discord and there's a few folks that have shown up in our chat room. Now I'll let you tell us who they are, but I do see a picture of someone who appears to have yeah. visited the hotel well, was filmed. Isn't that something right there? Tom and uh, and Terry uh, are in the chat room. They're, they're a couple that are well known in the Pride 48 community. Uh, they they uh, well they listen. Tom listens to 50 million podcasts, but apparently he uh, they did a selfie. In the hotel lot. Now, you told me before, DJ, what's the name of that uh, place? Oh, it's the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. Yeah, and you can see the little elevator, like, that rides on the outside. So they they, they were there. How about that? And, um, folks, we do want to thank uh, our friends who came uh, to be with us live. And we want to thank... Our pal Tommy Hashbrowns is here every time. Uh, Matt uh, Burlingame from Chums Gone Wild and uh, Chums had, uh, yeah, and the Big Gay Sex Show, the Daddy Years. Um, we want to thank uh, Tom and Terry for being here. It's great to see you. Um, Lamont Cranston might have been here, I think, maybe. Hi, Lamont Cranston from New York City. And just thanks for being here and supporting us because we do it live. And uh, it's always great to know we're actually talking to people who are listening. And, you know, we, we are uh, at the uh, the threshold of the holiday season. And uh, for those of you who may not know it, I also do another show, my solo show called Surely You Jest. And, well, I like to say that I'm a retail widower because uh, this time of year, is difficult for a lot of folks that work in the brick and mortar places because the people in the world they they aren't necessarily all that kind to the folks who help them behind the counter and uh, this time of the year well it sort of brings out the best slash worst of everyone but anyways happy thoughts we're out here getting close to the lobby so we're gonna oh wait a minute at the uh, last possible minute 
Mm-hmm. The ever mysterious Cronehaven has Whoa. dropped in. Maybe she's been listening the whole time, but now she's visible in the chat room. Hi, that, Crone. Oh, that Cronehaven does so much traveling. I swear she's got a TARDIS. All right. Okay. So, uh, this is our snack tray. I'm going to talk about things that you might enjoy if you like films like 77's High Anxiety. I'm going to mention a film that's from more recent years. This is from 98. And uh, it has, uh, well, a, a, a Mel Brooks adjacent actor. He was in Dracula Dead and Loving It. Mr. Leslie Nielsen. Now, this film comes to mind because, well... I am a child of the 80s, and Leslie Nielsen's co-star in this film is the lovely Kelly LeBrock, who some of you may remember from Weird Science. So this is a film from 98 called Wrongly Accused, and the story is Ryan Harrison is framed for murder and must prove himself innocent by finding a mysterious one-eyed, one-armed, one-legged man after escaping from a bus accident on the way to jail. That's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. Of course, that's a parody of The Fugitive, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, Cronhaven says she's a big ha- big fan of anxiety. It's high anxiety. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am too. You know, it's, I don't think it's his greatest movie but I, li- I like it and probably more than anything it's probably because i love hitchcock movies and i get all the references you know if we're lucky enough to meet up with crone at the forthcoming far point which has a new home it's the double tree by hilton in pikesville maryland i think we should go to one of the upper floors and reenact scenes from my anxiety I- Aye! <laughs> uh, would be great if they had those kind of elevators, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. All right. So you recommended, if you liked uh, our movie tonight, you recommended Wrongfully Accused. <laughs> and I'm going to recommend <laughs> that uh, you just check out Spellbound by Albert Hitchcock. Spellbound is a whole big part of the parody of high anxiety because our as high anxiety opens up it's a psychoanalyst who comes to a new hospital finds mysterious goings on and and imposters and blah 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 and uh spellbound is a 1945 american psychological thriller film Directed by Hitchcock. It stars Ingrid Bergman and Gregory Peck. Uh, it follows a psychoanalyst who falls in love with the new head of the Vermont hospital in which he works, only to find that he's an imposter, suffering dissociative amnesia and potentially a murderer. And it, it involves some great scenery designed by Salvador Dali. If that doesn't wet your whistle, I don't know what will. Uh, but um, the uh, the the uh, psychoanalytical aspect of of uh, high anxiety, all of that parody is from Spellbound. And hell, if you haven't seen Spellbound, you need to take a look. That's what I recommend. 
Yeah, Gregory Peck, he's the grandpa of Ethan Peck. That's our Star Trek connection tonight. And Ethan Peck is the actor playing Spock on Star Trek Strange Worlds. Good God, somehow, folks, I don't know how it happens, but every episode we have a Star Trek connection. Well, what do we got next for next time, DJ? All right, it's time to dig out those coins. All right. Put them in the machine. Gumball. That, that that capsule come out? Yeah. Well, here we go. Open it up. Uh, next time on Matt Zabusha, kids. It's a mid to late 80s comedy drama by the iconic 80s director of 16 Candles and Pretty in Pink. When a respectable Chicago advertiser crosses paths with a bumbling traveling salesman on their way home, for the holidays, does this start to sound familiar? The two unlikely companions are forced to team up despite the odds against them. Uh, where are my hands? Where, what, where mm-hmm. are my, uh, are those pillows? Uh, it, st- it mm-hmm. stars Steve Martin, John Candy. Next time, folks, join us for planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be a fun one, Toppy. I, uh, a few years ago, watched it for the first time as an adult, and it has a slightly different tone when you pay more attention to John Candy's character. Um, You know what? When it came out uh, for the holidays, I can't remember if it was Christmas or Thanksgiving, but I actually went, I think it might have been Thanksgiving Day, I think I went to see that damn movie. In the theater mm-hmm. Alright so join us next time folks It's going to be Friday November 17th That's when we're going to stream it live On YouTube And you can join us right here For a chat room At Discord it's going to be November 17th 9pm Eastern Okay So Toppy if you would Say goodnight in the ways of the old days of radio Very well Good night, Gracie. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live on the first and third Friday of the month. Go to matineeminutia.com. Click the YouTube icon for live video. Enter Discord or chat. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Tweet us on Twitter. At Matinee Minutia. Find our group on Facebook. Have an idea for a show? Or why not let us know how we're doing? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com.